0: As they're all on the altar Sunday where we commit as a church to be intentional about reaching people and and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, I want to uh, take you to a very familiar passage, one that Jesus used to teach his disciples about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule, God's domain, if you will. And he was talking about that the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's people who go out and have the responsibility of inviting people into the kingdom, and then there are those, when they hear the invitation of coming to the kingdom of God, they are to respond. And so this parable is about both. The responsibility of the one who hands out the message, who shares the seed, and the one who receives it, and how it's received. So in looking at that, I just want you to know that the kingdom of God is all about the heart. It's a heart to receive the message of grace and a heart to share the message of grace. It's just about the heart. So Matthew 13 is going to say this as we look together. Uh, Jesus told the story of, he said there was a certain farmer who went out to throw seed, to plant seed that he might get a harvest. And in the planting of that seed, he, um, he threw some of the seed on some traveled soil and and it laid there and never penetrated the ground and the birds came and got it and took off with the seed and nothing ever happened, obviously. And then they threw some seed on some shallow ground that had a rock shelf and, 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 and it looked like something was going to happen because it began to spring up and have some, light, uh, it looks like life, but when the sun came up, it it died because it had no root. And then the third, he threw some uh, seed on a third type of soil where the thorns came up and choked out the potential of the seed, and nothing happened. But there was a fourth place where he threw out seed, and the soil was good soil. and it, The soil was ready to receive the seed, and it produced a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 fold. It is a matter of the heart, and what you do with the message, and how we share the message. So there's a couple things I want you to see. First of all, is the urgency for grace is obvious in the conditions of the heart. What do I mean by that? There's an urgency about you, whether you're a middle schooler, high schooler, college student, single person, married person, young adult, middle adult, or senior adult. There is an urgency about us sharing the message of the kingdom. Now, here's what Jesus said. Because the disciples didn't quite understand what he was saying, so he explains it to them. Now listen to the verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed... That fell on the footpath, that's the traveled soil, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. They've heard it. They go, yeah, but I don't get it. I I just don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not logical. It's not practical. It's not even reasonable. I just don't get it. And so it says this. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. This, when I talk about the conditions of the heart, I'm going to share four conditions with you. Everyone in this room fits in one of those conditions. The first one is the resistant heart. This is the one that's just resisting the message. They can be bad people. They can be really mean people, cruel people, violent people. They can be that kind of person. But truthfully, they're more actually really good people. They're just really, really good people. They are... uh, I mean they may be your best neighbor, they may be your best friend, they may be in your family, they may be your coworker, but they're just really good people. You like them. They do things. They're they're try to be helpful and they try to do things. But yet when it comes to the news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom, they they kind of become deflective of that, They they build up walls, and they, they really won't. don't want to talk about it. They say, I, I'm okay. I, I'm doing good. I practice the golden rule. You know, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to climb the stairway to heaven my way. And they go, I just don't need that. And the truth is, they don't understand it, because it's really talking about the simplicity of grace that comes to a person's life. Most people think, well, I, you know, I'm going to get there on my own. That's good that God's going to do that, but i got my own plan. And they resist the truth. Many people sit in churches throughout this country and throughout this county with a resistant heart. Maybe they like church. Maybe they like the people, but they've never trusted Christ. And so you understand they don't see the simplicity of the message. They don't, they don't see you simply to believe in God's plan on the cross. They go, It just got to be more to it than that. Uh, they don't understand the seriousness of the message of grace uh, that requires that you, you repent, they don't understand this. They, they, they don't get the fact that there's a seriousness of, of this message, that this message is what brings you into eternal life. And without responding to this message with, with faith, you cannot go to heaven. You can't go to a place that God's prepared for you. You can't ever see it, hear it, or know about it. For you'll be in a place that's forever separated from God's love and grace in a place called hell. And the excuses of how you got there won't matter. The resistant heart is just that way. I think in my ministry, I've seen a lot of resistant hearts. And I I share this because it's one that illustrates this so well. When I came here 20 years ago to this area, uh, I began to meet a lot of people. Within that first year, uh, my son played baseball. And so I got to hang around the baseball park uh, all, all the time from April, May, June, and July. As y'all know, that's baseball season in in Rome in Floyd County. So anyway, it was great because I met a lot of neat people, and I I remember meeting uh, I, my son. Always, he had some great friends around him, and and from those ball playing days years ago, he still has some great relationships and friends. I met one of the dads, and I I liked him. He was a good guy, one of the best guys I've ever known. Nice guy, great guy, and uh, loved loved his family, loved his kids. Uh, a good worker, all those things. And we would talk oftentimes at the ball game beforehand, and every once in a while I'd try to talk about the kingdom, and he was the best deflector I've ever known. He would just kind of bounce me off, and and, and, and and you know, he was okay. He was resistant to what I was saying. He was never unkind. He was never rude. He just was resistant. And that's okay. That went on for, for a long time. He started coming to our church, and and would be there and hear the messages preached, and uh, always complimentary, but still resistant. And as God would have it one day, uh, not by our plan, but by God's plan, we ended up in Panama City at the same time, so we just knew that was God's plan for us to play golf. That's what that meant. So uh, divine appointment. We're going to play golf. We played golf for several days, had a good time. In the process of the last day we played, we were going down the par 5 at Signal Hill Golf Course, about 250 yards from the green. When? We were talking about the kingdom. And he said, I just believe good people go to heaven. I'm a good person. I try hard. And that's when I said, good people don't go to heaven. People saved by grace go to heaven. I think Mark tells it this way. That's the day I told him he was going to go to hell. I I didn't use that term. (laughs) But that's what the Holy Spirit implied in his heart. More time passed. Actually, a few more years passed. He heard more sermons. And then on a faith visit, where we go out in teams of three on Monday night, we went to Mark's house, and he wasn't there. We got there, and we were just about to get back in the car, and he pulls up behind us. He gets out and we said, Man, we're here. I ask him this question. Mark, you've heard everything I can possibly say about the gospel. I just want to know you're ready to receive it. He said yes, made that decision, and he's been a changed man ever since. Mark Gray, awesome. You see, let me tell you about this resistant heart. You never give up on these people. Maybe they've become very good at deflecting and saying no. But all you need to give is one more opportunity. And maybe it's the 25th or the 50th. Mark has heard hundreds of sermons from me before he gave his heart to Christ. You see, the reason we do faith is so that person can have one more opportunity. One more opportunity to say yes. They may have said no a thousand times. But they need to have one more opportunity to say yes. That's why we go out on Monday nights. That's why I need prayer partners praying for us. If we go out on Monday nights. The Spirit of God goes before us. Man, everyone in this order, in this, a member ought to be a prayer partner. If you're not a member, you can be a prayer partner. Not really, because prayer is what makes things work. So you pray, but we go because people need to hear it one more time, have that opportunity one more time. So that's why. We do faith here. That's why I want to ask you to sign up as a learner, to learn how to share your story and, and to be involved in, in learning how. We won't put you on the spot. We won't embarrass you. You'll just be with a leader that will take care of you, go out in teams of three, and you'll learn and watch, but you'll learn how to share your faith effectively and dynamically in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God will do some great things. you not just in the sessions we're going to do for 10 weeks starting February 17th, but also throughout your life. As I've watched him do with people. Mark talks to people all the time about Jesus. There's a second kind of heart. And that's, look at this one. The seed, uh, and then, uh, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, this heart's the one that is, I call, the deceived heart. This heart is that person that's actually made some kind of decision in a church somewhere. Or, you know, with someone, they've they've prayed a prayer and they've been baptized or they've become involved in an organization. They've they've gone through a class and they've said at the end of the class, now you know everything's supposed to know. Now you need to be saved. They say, okay, I'll be saved. And they're, they're christened, baptized, or whatever it may be. And they're excited about it. But he says there's such a kind of heart that is decided and emotionally stirred, but not spiritually changed. They have heard the truth and they whatever reason, maybe they were meeting expectations of their parents or their friends, or maybe they were driven they said, I'm afraid if I, I'm afraid of what's happening if I don't make this decision, and they yet they don't have faith. They have fear rather than faith. And they're deceived. They think they're okay. But the truth is, their life really bears no fruit. Not of a changed life. It may ha- bear the fruit of a religious life. I mean, you may look really good on the surface, but inside you know there's an emptiness that you've never filled. I've watched this again and again. We had a, a lady that came forward uh, a few years ago who, when she came forward, said, I've been wrestling with this for 13 years, and today I know I need to be saved. Man. That's just too long. Maybe some of you know what that's like. I'll I've, I've tell you, the most miserable people I see in church are those who think they are saved and they're not. I mean, they're just miserable. I, I, don't, I understand because you're trying to do something you don't have the power to do. My wife was saved in 2003. She had a deceived heart. She had you know, been a great pastor's wife and all these things, but she did not know Jesus. Until she had that day when she realized, I need to make this decision. I need to trust Christ. Deceived hearts a tragic thing. You see, I think we do faith so people can hear one more time about the truth. People are deceived for all kinds of reasons. I had a couple one time, young couple come forward and... and And God, you could tell the spirit was moving during the invitation. They came forward and and she said, I want to join the church. Well, I talked to her about her faith and understood that, but I did not have a chance to talk to him. So I said to him, sir, let me ask you, are you confident if you die tonight, you would go to heaven? And he took way too long to answer. I mean, if you don't answer like in the next five seconds, I figure you're really wrestling with it. And he's going, no, I don't. I said, well, can I have a counselor talk with you? And he said, yes. Well, See, he came forward to join the church. And sometimes they say, well, that's great. He wants to join the church. Well, it's bad if he joins the church and he ain't saved. I mean, that's really bad. That puts him in a bad spot. He'll never enjoy church. But he got saved. He Gives heart to Jesus. You see, there's people out there that need to hear the truth. They need to come to grips with examining themselves and see where they are in Christ. I don't care whether you're Baptist, Lutheran, Catholic, Pentecostal, whatever you may be. I, the issue is not your denomination or your creed. The issue is your heart. What are you going to do with the truth of the kingdom? Many people have had that experience, but their life has never really changed. It was only good for a few weeks, a few months, a couple of years, and then there, nothing's changed. The deceived heart. The third is the, uh, the reluctant heart. Let me share that with you. This seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This is the one who hears the message of the kingdom. They go, you know, that's really good stuff. I need to do that someday. I need to do that one day. I need to do that later on. Maybe it's a young person say, I need to do that when I'm older, when I'm an adult. That's when I can do that. I'll do that some other time because I'm worried. I may lose my friend base. And I don't want to lose my friend base. Or I may lose my financial base. Or or I may lose. uh, Some things might happen. God may want me to go to uh, the mission field in Africa. So I don't know. I'm going to have to put up. We worry about things that we shouldn't worry about. And we are drawn to the wealth of the world that does not last beyond this life. We will hold on to things we cannot keep. To, to not grab hold of the things we would never lose. And he said, there's people that say, I know I need to make that decision, but not today because I've got other things i got to do. And that's why we do faith, to remind that person that there's an urgency in your decision. Because no one in this room, no one is promised tomorrow. Matter of fact, you're not promised you'll get through this service hope you will but we're not promised that people put it off and then there's the receptive heart seed fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times the receptive heart you hear it and you hear the simple message of grace and you understand what it means that you're saved by grace and not by, uh, by faith and not by works. So you give up trying to earn it, trying to qualify for it. You say, Here I am just as I am broken, battered, but here I am. And you realize it's about repentance turning from your sin and yourself, trying to save yourself, and realize that Jesus is the only one that can save you. That's a receptive heart. You finally quit trying to do the Baptist thing, the Methodist thing, the Catholic thing, the Lutheran thing, the Episcopalian thing, the Pentecostal thing. You finally go, let me do God's thing. And that's when it works. It changes your life. Because you begin to have fruit of that. You see, that's important because here's what you get. The second point I want you to get in this is the evidence of grace is a changed heart. This is it. The evidence is this. The, how, how do you know? Because there's something changing your life. You, what's happened? Well, your, your, your character changes. Your conduct changes. All of a sudden, you're excited about converts, people coming to the kingdom. You see, let me tell you, when people step out, as they did this morning, the 830 service, walk the aisle and said, I need to give my heart to Jesus. You want to be so excited? Man, you want to be going, yeah! And let me be honest. If you don't get excited about people coming forward to receive Christ, You probably don't know him. I don't care how long you've been a church member. You just don't know him. Because that ought to light your fire. That ought to make you want to jump pews and swing from the chandeliers. Man, our life changes. Two stories I want to close with. As you take that card, I hope you hold that card. While I'm talking, you put your name on it. You determine, first of all, be a prayer partner. I'm going to ask you to come down a minute later lay it down here. But I want you to be a learner. If you've never done faith, please do it with me for 10 weeks. Please. I beg you. Come on, learn how to share your story. If you've been a, been a trained leader, come on and be a leader with us. If, and if you say, a lot of people have been training in faith, I want to ask you to commit to ask the key question three times over the next 10 weeks with someone. That's not a lot. It's the least you can do for Jesus, just going to tell you. We do faith, and I do faith, because you never know what the next time brings. One of the, uh, I mean, we had a guy that we visited five times, visit his house five times. Say, why five times? Because. Something always happened one time. We'd go back and it wasn't a good time and, or nothing would happen. Or, and finally, after going that last time, he said, okay, we'll come and we want to join the church. And I asked him, but I wasn't sure he knew the Lord, but he said he did. And so he had a deceived heart. So they joined the church and then about, about a month later realized he didn't know the Lord got saved, gave his heart to Jesus, rescued from his sin. That's Paul Giles. Now Paul, let me tell you about Paul. The thing that always struck him was y'all came to my house five times. Five times y'all came. I thought, what do they think's wrong with me? <laughs> Guys, we do faith because you never know what the sixth time is going to do or the seventh time is going to do. Man, you never know what's going to happen until you go. But you go because that's what really matters. That's what really matters. I ask you to do faith because, number one, it works. It gets us back. You see, we we don't move toward evangelism. Our nature moves us away from evangelism. All of us. We have to battle that. So faith allows you to do that. Last story I want to share with you. I was doing a mission trip in Michigan some years ago. And i uh, been invited up there to, to do a revival while they had vacation Bible school during the summer. And so we got up there, and the church was struggling, barely making it. Maybe had 20 people coming. Man, we packed that house out. It was not quite as big as this, but we packed it out. God did some great things that week. One of the things I remember was I got through preaching, came down the front, asked people to come forward. A young teenager came forward, probably at that time 14 years old. And he came forward. He took my hand. Here's what he said. I need to do something, but I don't know what I need to do. I've never been around church. He said, but I need to do something. I said, well, let me tell you, let me, let me pair you up with a counselor. They're going to sit down and talk with you and answer any questions you have. And then it'll be time to do something. Because the Bible says they've got to have understanding, they've got to know what they're doing, they've got to know what it means to be a sinner. Separated from God by the sin they've committed. they got to know what it means to really turn from sin and self to Jesus Christ. they got to understand what repentance is. they got to know. It's not just a feeling. It's an act of faith that has an object for its faith, which is Jesus Christ. And so I wanted him to understand that. Well, they went off. They talked for about eight minutes and, and came back, and he was wiping the tears from his eyes. And he gave his heart to Jesus and got saved. He had been up there simply to spend time with a relative for three weeks. I would call that a divine appointment. He lived in a place where his dad would never let anyone knock on their door and talk about church. His dad would never let anyone talk to them at all. They didn't darken the church door. But God sent him to Michigan to hear the gospel. Gave his heart to Jesus. Came back and... Sometime later, just really a few months later, the call came through. It was the father of this boy who said, I need to talk to someone. I gotta talk to someone about my son. He said, I need to know what happened with my son. He said he came back here and he was different. He did things different. He was changed. He wanted to go to church. He wanted to read his Bible. I don't understand. He said, but I need to know what happened because two weeks ago, my son died in a four-wheel accident. And I want to know what changed his life. Now, guys, that's the receptive heart. That's it. Whether you're young or old, Middle school, high school, college, senior adult. The gospel changes your life. That's why I do faith. That's why I share my faith. That's why I live and breathe for the invitation. Because I want to see what God's going to do. Say, Pastor, why do you really do faith? I've told you, As Christians, we do not move toward evangelism. We move away from it. It's our nature. Guys, I I learned a long time ago I don't change anybody. That's God's work. He changes people. I don't. I'm just a vessel, an instrument. He uses. So I don't change people. I'm not asking you to do faith so you'll change the world. You don't change the world. God does; He changes the heart. I do not do faith so that I may change the world. Let me tell you why I do faith. I do faith so that the world will not change. Me. I need it so that I don't become callous or cold or indifferent. To God's purpose in my life. I don't want to become like the world. That's why I do faith. I want to invite you to do faith.